You're listening to the Mindful Psychology Podcast, a podcast designed to explore mindfulness, psychology, neuroscience, and various aspects of holistic health. My name is Jen. I'm your host. I'm also a therapist, an educator, and a yoga teacher. Join me and brilliant guests as we explore various topics and offer you actionable steps so that you can be informed and intentional about your health and well-being. Now sit back, relax, maybe take a notebook out, and let's dive in. to a brand new episode of the Mindful Psychology Podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Natasha, who will be sharing a very inspiring and powerful story about her, her journey with infertility and unintended childlessness, as well as her work and how it transformed during and after this part of her life's journey and professional journey. Uh, it's really an, an incredible story and something that we've not had, a, a part of life that we've not really tapped into on the show yet. And um, it, it was just I think really necessary and just beautiful to be a part of this conversation. And I think it's necessary for everyone to hear and for it to be spoken about. And in case there's anybody who's listening, who's going through this or who's gone through it, then this episode is definitely for you. Natasha is so empathetic and sensitive and wise in the way that she talks about her experience with it and how she overcame the grief and moved forward professionally and personally. And um, I don't know what else to say about it, really. It was just... Uh, it was incredible. So without further ado, here is Dr. Natasha. Hi, Natasha. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. And uh, I know that this is going to be really fun. I know we talked about it a little bit before. And I'm just really excited to be able to share, to have you share your story with everyone. I think it's really inspiring. So um, so yeah, that's good. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so why don't we jump into who you are and uh, talk about who you are, your, the work that you do, um, yes. why you do the work that you do and all of that stuff. All right, sure. Well, my name is Natasha Ibal Fernando, and I actually started my life out as uh, being a researcher in um, molecular biology, and then I switched over into business development, technology commercialization. But now I'm actually an acupuncturist, an integrative medicine practitioner. And uh, so my story is that, you know, I'm married now this year in 2020 for 25 years. My husband and I, we met, we got married, and we're expecting to have, you know, children. We really wanted that, and it never happened. So um, it was kind of like a difficult journey for me to uh, realize we wouldn't have children. And um, I kind of just tucked it away and really got more into my career. And, um, you know, life was, is really great from the outside. I've always had, you know, some, um, you know, struggles when I would see pregnant women and everybody around me would have babies and whatnot, but I just kind of pushed through it and, um, actually eventually decided to go back to school and uh, become an acupuncturist and pursue further studies in holistic medicine because I had ex experienced acupuncture during my infertility journey and even though I did not get pregnant I truly enjoyed uh, the process of acupuncture being able to slow down and just um, feeling just absolutely fantastic after an acupuncture treatment and so uh, yeah I decided to completely change careers I opened my own 
acupuncture and integrative medicine clinic and it did really well. And then I just realized, you know what, I am just kind of burning out. I got actually sicker and sicker while I was busier and busier and I was helping all these people around me. And, um, and so I had to step back. I sold my practice and I did really some more soul searching. And I thought, you know, why, why did I get burned out? Why, you know, with all my tools at my disposals, you know, I thought I could do like mind over matter, you know, kind of put myself up with supplements and herbs. And yet I was like, so burned out and something just didn't feel right. And then one day, um, I just had this realization when somebody talked about their, what she called soul story. And then I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's really something in my life that I have never really thought about and I haven't really processed, which was way back when, actually in 1997, when we had my husband and I visit at the reproductive endocrinologist. And, um, you know, we uncovered a few things um, and it was just a total shock to me. And I remember it was like a normal conversation, but to me, I felt like my life was never the same afterwards. And um, just having to deal with uh, over the years, the constant, you know, kind of hope every month of, you know, ovulation, maybe we get pregnant and then the um, realization, well, I'm not getting pregnant, I have another period. And all of that was really, a traumatic event first of all that visit at the reproductive endocrinologist but then you know a small t trauma as it's called during all these years and i realized there were actually a lot of things that had changed in who i was the like the natasha before all of this happened and then the natasha after that kind of you know really pushed herself every day and kind of felt like she had to prove something and felt a little bit of a failure every single month and it just was a cumulative effect and I realized that that translated into how I was doing business and how I was running you know my practice and that's what prompted me to what I'm doing today which is I help people or C-level um, professionals to kind of recover and prevent burnout because there's always some kind of mindset issue maybe some kind of traumatic event in the background. And I also, um, but I, where really my passion lies is to help women move forward, you know, cope with the effects of infertility and not having biological children and finding new purpose in their life where they don't run themselves to the ground or where they are able to regain their self-confidence and their self-worth. So I know that was a little long introduction, but that's kind of like what I do. <laughs> no, that's, that was beautiful. I. That's really powerful. And I, I think these things aren't talked about enough. It's another topic that I don't find is talked about enough in general. Um, I think it just needs to be. I don't think people fully realize that the trauma that is involved in something like this, as you said, you know, it was a traumatic experience for you at the, at the, like when you were meeting with the endocrinologist and, um, and it has, yes, very serious effects. Um, yeah, no, that wasn't long at all. That was really nice. Um, I guess, I mean, so I have a few questions for you. So the first thing would just be, I mean, I, I just want to unpack a little bit about acupuncture. Yes. These people don't know what that is. So uh, how could you describe acupuncture? In, in Yeah, so acupuncture is part of 
Chinese medicine. And Chinese medicine is really rooted in, in nature, basically. It's the principles of Taoism. So there's always like a balance. If you look at like a yin yang picture, there's like it's black and white. And so yin yang is that balance between day and night, between the seasons. And uh, so everything in the body is looked at under this concept of yin and yang, kind of like day and night, hot and cold. And so as a practitioner of Chinese medicine, we always look at the whole, not just the body, but also the mind and spirit. And nothing is ever good or bad. It's just kind of like an imbalance of a little bit too much of that or too little of this. Mm -hmm. And so acupuncture is one of the techniques that a Chinese medicine practitioner will use to balance the body. And so acupuncture is the practice of inserting pins. So basically stainless sterile pins into the body. And it's just on the surface of the skin. It typically does not go very deep. And um, we use uh, a concept of meridians. So meridians is basically like electrical pathways that are in the body. So they cannot be seen with the naked eye. They can be seen uh, with other techniques. And some people have like the ability to kind of feel that on the body. And so to find these different points, these different meridian points, um, they, they are not like set in stone. As, like I said, they're not like anatomical structures that can be found on, let's say, a dead person. But on a living person, they can kind of be felt um, if somebody has, you know, the ability to feel that with the fingertip. And there are certain points in your body that you feel like are more tender. These are very often related to acupuncture points. And so acupuncture has a balancing effect on the autonomous nervous system, which is that nervous system that runs in the background. That's the nervous system that regulates your hormones, your heartbeat, your digestion. And so what it does when you do get acupuncture, you typically are either on a very comfortable chair or you lie down on like a massage table. And then once the acupuncturist inserts the needles, it can vary from three or five needles to up to 20 or more needles. It kind of depends on the constitution and the condition that the person is being treated for mm -hmm. and also the practitioner. And then so these needles are inserted and they're inserted for typically at least 20 minutes, but it can go up to 40 minutes or even an hour. Again, depends on the condition. And during that time, what we're doing is we're really um, calling forward that autonomous nervous system to do its job on the body. So basically the needles help the body figure out, okay, this is how I can relax again and balance everything that's going on in my body. And it's typically very relaxing and people tend to fall asleep or they're just kind of like in that state between being awake and falling asleep or use it as a meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds wonderful. Actually, it's kind of like relaxing just listening to it. I was like imagining myself there. Yes, yes. <laughs> I've never done it, but I, I like I've never had acupuncture sessions or anything like that. But it's just always really been uh, like fascinating to me. Actually, <laughs> the whole practice. So I would assume that as it pertains to hormonal balance or hormone treatment, hormonal treatment, it would help regulate the hormones to maybe foster more fertility. Possibly is that the is that the aim? yes yes so. Acupuncture, 
um, is used a lot in infertility in reproductive medicine. So it's specifically for women that go to, you know, their cycles. Um, you know, we have like every week has kind of like a different purpose in Chinese medicine leading up to ovulation and then, you know, after ovulation and then getting, um, you know, the period. So acupuncture is really excellent in helping a woman to balance their periods. First of all, to get them regular, um, to ovulate, um, kind of like mid-cycle, and it's extremely helpful for PMS, premenstrual syndrome. So it can really do an excellent job in helping with the bloating, the breast tenderness, in having periods that are lighter, and in having a period that kind of starts and finishes, not like a period that kind of goes on forever, like it takes a few days before it really starts and that kind of stuff. So, and also the headaches, you know, the hormonal uh, imbalances sometimes are manifested by having either constipation or diarrhea before or during the period. And those headaches, at least that's what I used to get, you know, headaches and migraines like around before the period or during or after the period. Acupuncture really helps with that. So typically, if um, I would see a patient for infertility or menstrual complaints, it's at least three months to come in either weekly or at least coming in before and after ovulation. And that typically can regulate a woman's period. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. And, and moving more into your story, specifically like what you talked about before, um, how was it for you when you transitioned to receiving acupuncture treatment for fertility to then helping women through acupuncture with their fertility? How, how was that for you after what you had? Yeah, that's a, that is such an interesting question because so I, I remember when I first saw an acupuncturist, um, my husband was like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I read somewhere, heard something helps with fertility. So you have to remember, this was like before, like I think AOL was just about starting up. There was like no Google or anything like that. So, so I went to see an acupuncturist, absolutely terrified of needles. She's like, oh my God, this woman is crazy. And she's like, oh, I'm going to get you pregnant. Everybody gets pregnant with acupuncture. So, you know, okay, so I went but to be honest with you, I wasn't able to continue for a long time because it was kind of pricey for me at the time. And with my job, it's really difficult to make time to go to an acupuncture treatment. And so I, I didn't do as much as I wanted to do. And, um, and I, I just felt great. I just knew there was something about this acupuncture. For me, coming from a Western science background, I'm like, it just didn't make any sense whatsoever but i could tell that definitely things were happening while i was on the table so i was kind of intrigued by that whole experience and again i just could tell it would just really help me in reducing my stress and anxiety and uh yeah it just felt really great and it helped me regulate my periods a little because i always had kind of like painful or heavy periods but again i didn't continue it for a long time so and again, I didn't get pregnant. So I just kind of shelved that experience. So, but then what happened once I um, became a licensed acupuncturist, I actually avoided seeing infertility patients. I would not see any patients for infertility. And in particular, I would never see, actually to this day, I do not see pregnant women. I just, at the time, now I can do it from an emotional point of view. But when I first practiced, it was just something that was too painful for me. I could just not handle it because 
I just had never really processed that completely, you know, or really gotten into acceptance. I am just not having children. I just could not, I just did not have that emotional bandwidth to help women get pregnant while I was not getting pregnant. And so um, only during the last few years, actually in my mid forties, I started seeing patients that came to me before and after IVF. Uh, so basically when women um, do IVF, it's acupuncture can be super helpful to prepare the uterus for the implantation. And I, I have been doing that really very successfully during the last, um, you know, five to eight years. So that's something I was willing to do, but I was not willing to work with a woman to, you know, work more on the fertility and with the diet and lifestyle. Just I'm like, I just could not deal with that. And so um, what the, actually what happened is that I had some patients that were coming in for their IVF and it's all happened during the same month. And that's how I got actually into understanding also more what was happening to me. So these women came in, they said, this is my very last chance of getting pregnant. These are like my last frozen embryos. This, is ha this has to work now. And so they came in. And so typically I would see women also on the same day of when they have the implantation. So I would see them in the morning, then they have to transfer. And sometimes I would see them in the evening as well for acupuncture just to help for the implantation to further that along. And so um, they were absolutely devastated because they were super anxious. They had invested all this money into infertility treatments. They felt guilty because they had not been able to give children to their, to their parents. They felt guilty and ashamed because things, you know, like everybody else gets pregnant, why can't I get pregnant? And they felt terrible also for their partners that they were not able to provide a child for them. And when I saw how they struggled with that, I thought, this is just not right. Here is a woman who for the last years, you know, has been giving herself shots, like, I don't know how many times a day, who like put everything on hold in their lives to, you know, even while working, going to these treatments and these hormones will do a number on your body and your mind. And plus she has now all this pressure for, you know, having like under quotation marks, uh, having to get pregnant. And here she is and she cries because I don't want my mom to see what I'm going through because she feels bad. I'm not getting pregnant. And I'm just like, this is just insane. And so when I realized how much the self-worth and self-confidence had been affected by them, I thought, you know what? I have to do more about this. Like I am like at the under end of it. Like I, you know, I, I know now I'm in my mid fifties. I'm not going to get pregnant anymore. I mean, that's it. That chapter has closed, but what if, you know, what if this doesn't work out? What are they going to do next? You know, thankfully they're all, they all got pregnant. So I think I've never had anybody who did not get pregnant <laughs> to IVF when they have seen me. But I just, that's when I realized, you know what, I have to speak up because this is such a taboo. I mean, what does that even mean? We're not worthy kind of as women unless we have children. Mm -hmm. So it got me really angry when I saw how much they were struggling. And that's what prompted me really to become a lot more outspoken about my own journey and also how to process more, uh, really completely, you know, that grief I've had 
for not having had children, for that kind of um, erosion of my own self-worth, self-confidence, uh, because I was not a, a mother. So it just doesn't make sense if you really think about it. I think we we're just so influenced by society and the roles that we have that we put on ourselves, right? Our roles that we need to be mothers. And so, so there you go. That's, that, that was a really good question because I really could not even deal with infertility for the longest time. And I really had to work through that myself. And now I'm at the other side of it. And it feels really good being able to provide support to women that are not quite there yet. Yeah, that's really inspiring that you got all the that you went through all, all sorry, you went through all of that and you're on the other side now offering help like this. I think that's so powerful and inspiring, honestly. I just wanted to say that. Um I I yeah, I couldn't imagine I don't even know that I would be that strong to be honest to kind of end up on the other side and then do that. It's yeah, I mean found this new purpose to help people uh in this situation. Yeah, you have to do it. You know, it's kind of like survival. It's like you have to you know, realize, you know, this is really something I cannot change and how can I make the best out of it? Because I was, for the longest time, I was so locked into, you know, I'm not enough because I feel like I, I didn't complete that one role in my life. And then I thought, you know, it's like, if we all have a bigger purpose in our lives and if we can't accept that this is just how it is. Okay, I'm going to be childless, or at least I won't have, you know, biological children. You know, you, you have to accept. That's the hardest part. I think the hardest part is accept. Okay, this is just how it is. And then you can move forward. So, okay, based on all of that experience, how can I make the best out of it? And, um, and yeah, it's just such a taboo subject. And to be honest with you, like my husband, I told him, you know, this is really more what I want to work on. He does not really understand. And I think it's because also for him, it's very difficult from time to time. And maybe he hasn't really processed it in, you know, to the full extent, or he's just, you know, also a very private person. Cause I'm kind of like a private person. It's really difficult for me to talk about, especially with friends and family. They don't even know the struggles I went through because there was nobody I could talk to. Nobody would really understand it. Mm -hmm. I think that was going to be my next question actually is like when you unpack um, what happens in that kind of situation of course there's the grieving process which in and of itself has a bunch to unpack, unpack. and then you have the, the the pressure and the guilt and all of that which has its own things to unpack mm -hmm. it, it must be I mean obviously there's no linear way to go about this but you said the first thing was accepting how do you like how like do you find there's often a lot of overlap the grief the guilt the grief the guilt like yes how do you yes, yes. so how do you navigate yes that? yes and in fact i feel like the first step is not even acceptance the first step is what i call an understanding it's the understanding of looking at our life and all the different facets of our life which is you know our physical health our spiritual mental health it's our relationships our relationships with our significant other with our families you know, our work, our career, it's, um, you know, the relationship with ourselves, it's our, you know, financial health, all of these, we have to kind of, I, at least that's what I tell my clients. And that's how I work through it. I kind of had to kind of get the status quo, like, where am I right now? So can I get my bearings, you know, and then, okay, so this is just what it is, and then accept it. And then in the moment of acceptance, it's really, 
the acceptance that, you know, procreation is something that is so, um, you know, ingrained in us to leave a legacy. Uh, and we always think about the legacy of, of children or procreation in terms of, you know, having children. But to really look at procreation in the creativity, in, in the possibilities, in the opportunities. And to see that we can be creative by uh, simply how we write an email or how we, you know, arrange the pillows on a couch or things like that. I think we really have to look at very simple ways and how we can, can be creative. Because let's face it, in our world, we are looked at in terms of productivity or money, you know, success is often seen as, you know, how much money you have in the bank and, you know, other things. But I think, um, you know, things are changing now in a lot of different ways. And I think that's how we also have to look at our legacy. It's not just, you know, the children, it's, you know, the ideas that we leave behind and the ideas that we share with other people or the insights that we are able to kind of facilitating other people like being like a catalyst of some sort mm -hmm. and so I think it's like you know that step to like okay so there's like the spark for new and different things and that then you know really has to be followed by self-love and self-care which you know the guilt and the shame all comes back to to that you know to just accept ourselves the way we are and just not um having like this kind of benchmark that we or expectations that we have for our life or who we want to be and just really work with who we are you know have this understanding this is who we are where we're at we have our limitations and that's okay but uh, love ourselves for that and take care of ourselves the best we can and then really move more into the alignment and empowerment Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think even with the whole idea of having children for a legacy, you know, it's, it's like, yes, okay, for when you pass away. And I guess that was seen as the ultimate way of leaving a legacy, but you're also still alive for most of their lives, for like for a big part of their lives. What happens mm -hmm. to you, you know what I mean? Like you still exist regardless of whether or not you have kids, right? Like you're still existing, you still have a life to live. You're still a person. Yes. Um, I think yes. that distinction, whether you're having children or not is really important. And even just the, the, the way that we've also learned, like there's a lot more talk nowadays about, you know, how to understand that your children are separate from you and that you can't control them and that they're their own people. I mean, I think we're starting mm -hmm. to understand that, that, okay, already we're separate people, which has made us understand leaving a legacy a little bit differently, right? Like we can exist and leave a legacy for who we are. Children are just exactly. children and they can very well also decide to not do anything with our legacy, right? Like I'm just saying for sake of argument, right? Like it's, it's Yes, that, that's exactly right. Because, you know, when, when, we, when we are in this kind of valley, valley of like tears, so to speak, of when we are not, we only focus that we do not have children. And it's really difficult. I mean, there's a time, I think every woman goes through in their 30s and early 40s where like, it seems like everybody's having children. But uh, let me tell you from the experience that I have seen, because I work with a lot of people in, uh, in my work, and there are so many, so, so many men and women who have children who either adult children who maybe are sick have passed away have an addiction are in jail and so we don't see that you know we always see that rosy picture of oh we have children and everything's going to be great no not necessarily you know because i think a very difficult thing obviously is if you if you lose a child you know 
the terrible, terrible, terrible experience, you know, and, um, and like you said, yeah, we're, we're separate from our children. And it's, it's really just important to look at who we are as a person, because the other thing that I also have seen a lot is when women are so, um, like their own, per their only purpose seems to be just a mother, you know, they're so used to having their house full of kids, you know, and they're like, fantastic mothers they are there for everything but then these children sooner or later will leave the house and then a woman in her you know late 50s or 60s all of a sudden she's like well who am i because now i'm no longer mothering my children at home yeah and that's and that's something it's probably also not really talked about that there is a lot of women that all of a sudden really question who they are and even for their relationship sometimes you know the parents are like well what do we do now we don't have to like think you know talk about our children all the time because now they have their own lives now it's just the two of us and that's probably also another thing that a lot of people struggle with that it's not really talked about yeah definitely um both of those things like when they leave and also when they're in that moment of not having their own identity anymore or at least not yes. connected to it. That's a really, that's a really big one. I've worked actually with a mother who, whose son had very like severe autism and yes. one of like three children. So already they were busy and they had their hands full. And she talked a lot about how she, well, in general, just always felt kind of at the, at the mercy of motherhood <laughs> or at like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of just always consumed with all of this. And obviously with her son, it was just really difficult for her. And you know, what is she going to do when she, when something happens to her husband or to her and what's going to happen yes. to her child? And it's, it's, I mean, I think in even if there's nothing, um, nothing out of the ordinary with your children or nothing like that, it's still, it can still be such a consuming position to be in as a parent, obviously. Um, but especially with those, it's like, what does happen after, right? Like there's a whole new set of issues and a whole new set of, um, yeah. So for all those things, I find, yeah, it definitely needs to be talked about what happens with um like with yeah not connecting to your identity anymore and years passing and you just wonder yeah who am i or yes uh, or what they called the midlife crisis a while ago i don't know if that was mostly for men or whatever but i think women probably go through a similar thing they just wonder who am i either when they've realized that so much time has passed or when their kids move away and they're like whoa like again so much time has passed but it's like now that they're gone i don't know what's going on sometimes it can happen even when the kids are at home they just feel fed up with not knowing who they are it can happen anytime really but yeah, definitely that needs to be talked about. What, what do you think we can do? Like, how do you think we can open the dialogue to make a lot of these things more, or all of these things more accept, um, acceptable and understood? Well, I think, um, yeah, like you said, of course, I mean, I think that's kind of happened for me at a certain point because I was like, okay, what am I even working for? You know, it's like, so what else is there? And that's kind of like what prompted me to go back to school. And um, yeah, I think we really need to talk about that we need to be our own persons. I think we're sometimes so ingrained into the different roles that we have as, you know, let's say a wife or a husband and, um, you know, these kind of traditional roles, I think they are comforting to a certain degree, but on the other side, they are, they come with a lot, the whole set of expectations and rules. And I think that's just not really helpful. I think we just need to really um, be, be taught again on how to trust ourselves, trust our own instincts, our gut feelings, and really find that alignment with who we truly are. And I think we have lost that. It's kind of like the intuition. 
I think we really need to listen to, to trust our intuition and trust our gut feeling. And I think that will never lead us wrong, but we're just so used to having to conform, to fit in, to, um, you know, just, just follow like a certain laid out path. And I think it's actually really changing. I think that in, you know, maybe the generation in their, um, twenties have that less as people that are in their forties and fifties right now. It's just, there's just more of an entrepreneurial attitude that I see mm -hmm. and just more of that freedom to, um, to feel into yourself and find, you know, what's, what's best for you. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot more of that for sure. And a lot mm -hmm. less of the, yeah, a lot less of the pressure. And I remember when I was younger, I kept telling myself I wanted three kids before I was 30. And now I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the, just the things that we probably were taught or that we observed around us as kids. We were like, yeah, I want a bunch of babies and I want to do it as soon as possible <laughs> or whatever it was, you know what I mean? Um, and now yes. I, was, I could never, are you joking? Like I would, but um as in as in like three by the by the time i'm 30 absolutely not like that would just not make sense but um i think things have obviously changed and everybody's different that's just me saying that but um yeah that's interesting that you bring that up because for me when i was growing up i was always told you can't have children and a career at the same time like you have to study first study yeah. first you know do your schooling work first and then think about children and i think a lot of women in uh, my situation, have experienced that to delaying kind of the childbearing years, and then, and then boom, like oh, it's not happening. I mean, I wasn't, I was still in my twenties when I got married, but um, you know, I I see that a lot. Women that kind of waited too long. They're telling me because I, you know, have a Facebook group for women, um, you know, beyond the infertility and with the unintended childlessness, and it just happens a lot that we kind of postponed. Mm -hmm. uh marriage and um the childbearing and then it's not happening because infertility is something that nobody really talks about it's becoming a lot more common mm -hmm. and yeah then you're like oh my gosh what's next right mm -hmm. and so it's really important to get into that uh you know what is really right for me and go and go with that you know and trust that mm -hmm. feeling definitely definitely i think in all of the times that i've had conversations about it i know i've had some people say that either they didn't want children, so they wouldn't have minded one way or another, or other people saying, like who had children already that I knew, who said, oh, that would have been the worst thing ever. And it really scared me at the time, because I thought, well, what if that happens to me? And I thought, mm -hmm. okay, well, apparently it's the worst thing ever, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's nice that we're opening up this dialogue that no, it's not the worst thing ever, and that, okay, there's a process to go through, but there is more, you are more. Yes. And I think that's really important. And I. I know you probably, well, you have answered a lot of these questions, um, like what I'm about to ask you, you've answered this in some ways, but more specifically with women understanding or I guess accepting that they are worth more, like that their worth is not connected to their role as a mother or, or as a wife or whatever. What is like some of your best advice for somebody who might be going through this, who's thinking, well, now what do I do? Like, this is the worst thing ever. Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think the most important thing is to find, um, to find some kind of support because it is it is something that goes really so deep into you know our beliefs it can really shape the core of our being and i think it's really important to find some kind of support and the support i would just i would just really highly recommend to only talk to people who have gone through what that person is going through right now because i 
believe there's i i've seen I've tried to, you know, in my personal experience to talk to either holistic therapists or others that maybe did not have children, but did not go through the whole infertility journey and then not have children that just could not understand where I was coming from. And uh, you just need that for a while. I'm not saying you have to hang out in you know, with people all the time, because sometimes there's a little bit of a, what I've noticed, a victim mentality, like always looking for, um, oh, these people have what I don't have, but you need to connect with somebody um, where you, you really have to connect with them and they understand what you're talking about. They can pull you out of that kind of lower vibration that can help to be that catalyst to help you find that spark that makes you feel like, that zest for life again, uh, somebody that can, um, you know, be an example that can be, that can help you to work through the triggers and through the kind of low points because they will still come until I think the day I die, there will be moments when I'll be still triggered by this, but somebody can, you know, talk them through it. So I think it's just really important to find some support because what I see a lot and what happened to me is that I just kind of tucked that kind of, grief and sadness and frustration i just tucked it away i didn't want to deal with it because it didn't exist in the world around me so i just want whoever's listening like it's so real what you're experiencing and you need to let it out you need to process it and then you can accept and move on yeah definitely and i, I agree with what you said like finding the right people to speak to as well has to be really important like people who are not going to exacerbate the grief that you're going through or um or make you feel well either exacerbate it and pity you or or uh you know with with no context right they'll just yeah they can't validate they can absolutely not have an understanding of what you're going through yeah, yeah because it's just that the pain is so deep and it's it's people will just not and however well they're trying even if it's let's say your husband or a significant other they cannot understand how it is to really feel feel in your body and your mind that that lack that scarcity that invisible grief i mean nobody can really understand it mm -hmm. so you really have to find a person that you connect with and just work with them and that that could be you know it could be like an online coach it could be um maybe a holistic therapist it could be maybe a friend or some support group i, I think it's super important to have that at least for some time until you kind of feel your ground you know the ground under your feet again yeah, definitely. And uh, you made an interesting point for those who are not actually experiencing it. Um, it can be difficult for them. So if these people are friends of somebody going through mm -hmm. this or partners, yes. and it's just affecting them differently, obviously, um, what, what would your advice be to those people? Well, my advice is to uh, not offer any advice because <laughs> all the well-meaning advice, it's very triggering. It's very, very triggering. I think the best thing you can do is just be there for the person and offer to do things that are joyful to do them together. You know, like going on a hike, do some uh, activities together and just really give them space. Um, because when you're grieving and it's such a deep and lonely experience, uh, just knowing that somebody's there where you can put your shoulder on and cry and not really not offer any kind of advice because there's really nothing you can say that will offer that kind of um, relief. It's it, Somebody just needs to have a place, 
a safe space to land where they can just say whatever it is without hearing any kind of well-meaning advice because unfortunately it it feels really triggering that's just the way it is yeah definitely understood um and and with that i mean the work that you do with these women of course you're still doing some you do a variety of different things i know but with with regards to this if people want to find this group of yours or if they want to work with you um how can they do that Yes, so I have a website called thegoldensanctuary.com and um, that's just kind of like an initial contact for me. If you ever wanted to talk, chat for 15 minutes, I'm available. You can set up an appointment. We can do a Zoom call or a phone call and I can, you know, I have a lot of different resources at my hand. I can direct you somewhere or if you just need somebody to chat for 15 minutes, I am there. And so I also have a Facebook group and it's called Beyond Infertility and Unintended Childlessness. And so if you search for Beyond Infertility, you'll probably find it. And uh, that's a private uh, Facebook group, and um, it's open to all women that, uh, even if women have had children but have experienced the infertility, the um, not being able to get pregnant, by the way, and had a difficult time getting pregnant, it's open to them as well. It's open to children uh, to women between 20 and 85 or 90 <laughs> that um, are childless, not by choice for whatever reason. Uh, because we talk in a group, it's um, it's a very relaxed, kind of a little bit spiritual group. Um, you know, Mondays I typically do a live where I talk about um, how to maybe deal with triggers or some. Um, you know, self-help ideas like acupressure, EFT, uh, emotional freedom technique, or I'll just talk about, like last Monday I talked about, um, you know, how to have better sleep, things like that. And then um, during the other days, we typically talk maybe about some triggers or some inspirational talks and things like that. And then typically once a week, I will ask for what the intentions are the week and I do um, long distance Reiki for the group and I will just uh, share that I'll do that over the weekend where I just include whatever the intentions are for everyone in my own meditations for the group and so I do have you know also one-on-one coaching sessions that are very individualized and that just you know whatever a person needs we'll talk about it and agree on something and I will have down the road um kind of like a hybrid course um, online coaching uh, program, but I'm still working out the, the details on that because I want to create something that um, is just perfect for women that need it because I cannot, we are in such, it's such a difficult position that we, you can't possibly have something that's like, oh, do steps one to five and you'll be fine. And like you mentioned in the beginning, it's definitely not. And then your process, it can be very complex. There's a lot of deep old beliefs that come up and that have to be worked through. And um, so, you know, I do that by kind of balancing the nervous system, maybe do some hormone balancing and work with nutrition and then obviously the mindset work to bring it all together. Wonderful, that's really beautiful. Um, okay, so I'll put all those links in the show notes so people can easily find them and connect with you in whichever way they want to. And um, yeah, and we'll all, that'll be simple for them. So thank you so much for that. And is there any other advice you have for anybody listening who might be going through this or who knows somebody who's going through it? Although that might be very different advice for both people. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, um, 
you know, just with the kind of work I do, I just really um, want to open my heart to whoever's going through this journey. I know it is very, very difficult. And I just want uh, you to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know the world needs you and the world is ready to see you shine your light and um, it's, it's going to happen. So I know it, it can be really feel like total despair, but I know the world needs you and is just shine your light and we, we'll all be in a better place because of who you are and what you went through. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Natasha. This was such a beautiful conversation and your advice and wisdom is really, really beautiful and valuable. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. It was such an honor to ha uh, have me uh, on your show. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode and that whole story. Um, I hope, like I said, with all of my episodes, I hope that you find something that you're looking for or that you find the support that you might need, of course, but especially with these particularly difficult situations or these particularly difficult topics, I hope that this maybe offered you some kind of uh, comfort and support in this time for you, or if you've gone through it in the past, or if you know somebody who's going through it, then um, then this is really something that I hope was helpful for you. As always, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. I've put all relevant links in the show notes, but if there's ever anything in particular that you want to talk about, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you love the podcast, I would really appreciate a five-star rating and a review if possible. <laughs> if you're feeling like it, it really helps support the show. So thank you so, so much. If you're having any problems doing that or you're not sure how to leave a review, just reach out to me and I'll help you with that. Until next week, be kind to yourself, be good, be safe. Namaste.